Produced by PI Media. Hi everyone, welcome to the Wix Engineering Podcast. I'm Ran Levy. My name is Yuval Perry. I've been in the world of engineering for 25 years. I started my first professional job when I was 18 back in the IDF. And I'm, I think I'm one of those people who always knew what they wanted to do. After 25 years of engineering, most new days in the office aren't much of a surprise to Yuval. But a few years back, he ran into a challenge he simply was not prepared for. In this episode, Yuval Perry, facing the total collapse of his company's software environment, seeks advice from someone who knows what to do. The advice he receives is not what he expects or wants to hear, but it's what he needs to hear. And it's a lesson to any engineer facing scaling issues at their own medium to large organization. So um, that's a very interesting story. The problem Yuval faced concerned little, highly specialized pieces of software called microservices. So in the old ages, an application was a monolith, one big process that runs on a computer. And this fits a certain organization, let's say 20 to 50, maybe 60 engineers. But right now we're dealing with um, companies that have 1,000, 100,000 even engineers, and you can't write... Every, not everybody can participate on the same code base. So you have to split the code base into several code bases in order to manage multiple work and also multiple computation and demands. At large companies, having a single code base is in many cases unviable. You simply can't have hundreds or thousands of engineers logging into the same software platform, all quote-unquote shouting over one another. It makes more sense to split up the software environment, siloing different people and teams. Back at the time, the company was an ed tech company, which had uh, a huge monolith in production, and we decided to go and rewrite, uh, rewrite in the microservice style. We, we just started by building the CI-CD environment and preparing everything for the new microservices instead of ripping them out. However, Yuval's company was perhaps premature in moving to a microservice-oriented model. As the software added up, it became more difficult to control than they'd anticipated. In just a few years, we had more than 60 microservices in production. Uh, we were very proud in each and every one of them because we built a sophisticated CI-CD environment and everything was deployed behind a feature toggle and it was super eventual consistent. So we, we thought back then that we did everything by the book. But uh, as we grew a little bit uh, more, then each person that breaks the build or breaks the ongoing development would have affected and impacted every other person in the team. And eventually, every time something breaked, it stopped the development of all of the company. We started to feel the load of the management. I mean, th things started to fail, more, to break more than often. And it got to a point where I couldn't imagine adding 10 more. At first glance, what Yuval is saying might not make much sense. After all, if the main reason for breaking up the monolithic structure of the software was to allow each developer or small group of developers to write code independently of other developers and groups, why would someone breaking the build affect the development of 
other microservices in the company. Isn't preventing such things the whole reasoning behind microservices? Well, let's listen again to what Yuval just said. Uh, we were very proud in each and every one of them because we built a sophisticated CI/CD environment and everything was deployed behind a feature toggle and it was super eventual consistent. That CI/CD environment, that was the crux. Now, when, when the integration environment is not stable, then the whole dev velocity becomes slow and slower each day. In a sense, dividing the monolith into 60 or so microservices gave the developers greater independence, greater freedom. But at the same time, the integration environment, which was common to all microservices, made them codependent on each other again. It was like a 100-meter race where all the participants sprint towards the finish line only to queue up in the last few meters and cross the finish line one by one. You might be asking yourself, if that was the case, why was the integration system used in the first place? The answer is simple. That CICD system was also part of the company's quality assurance process that made sure that no broken code found its way to production. And when it comes to software, QA is almost always taken very, very seriously. But I think because back then we treated the integration environment as our last line of defense before production, and we invested a lot of time and resource in it, and still it was never stable. Yuval didn't know what to do to solve this problem. Maybe greater management and oversight was needed. Perhaps reverting back to the monolith paradigm would return everything back to normal. He decided to seek help. So since I'm a very curious guy, I started to investigate it. And being Israeli, I started writing email to super technical engineers from various companies, CTOs, chief architects. And I had a template that I used to do for the email. I made minor changes for each person. And basically, I listed challenges which I was sure we were struggling with. We were both struggling with, and I suggested that we would schedule a meeting uh, where we can brainstorm. And to my surprise, 100% of the people that received an email wanted to meet um, right the following week. Super Israeli. Of all the architects, engineers, and CDOs Yuval spoke to, one person in particular turned out to be key. It was someone who he'd never met before. Now, one of the people I contacted was Aviran Mordov from Wix. When we met, I described the, f- the basic architecture and the design and then our challenges, both human-related and tech-related. And I remember I told him that if I add 10, 20 more services, everything would collapse. So right in the, in the beginning of his answer, he told us... You should start by deleting your integration and testing uh, environment. That's Aviran. I remember that at that time, I didn't know if it was crazy or brilliant, but because it was out of my comfort zone. Deleting your integration and testing environment? It seemed like a joke. But Aviran was dead serious, and he had plenty of experience when it came to microservices. We started microservices in, in 2011. The world wasn't even there, microservices. So we had to to actually uh, develop our own management systems, uh, deployment system, monitoring systems. So currently, well, nobody can really know, but uh, it's it's about 1,500 microservices clusters. Those are unique. So every microservice has at least three instances, actually in our case, 
it's three instances per data center and we have like four plus. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a lot of instances uh, and, and a lot of, uh, of unique microservices. How did Wix manage to grow to such a massive scale without a testing and integration environment? Well, for Aviran, it started with his own personal experience as a developer. Actually, in, in uh, my past uh, experience, I almost never worked with QA. I had to rely on the quality of on of. Uh, the code that I produce and uh, skip QA process in most cases until I worked at, uh, at some point uh, where uh, in Lockheed and in, in one other company, small company, I did have uh, experience with, uh, with QA. But my experience was that the QA process was very long and the impact on the quality of the code and just speaking on on my behalf was not really uh, 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 big. When Aviran joined Wix and helped the company grow its microservices infrastructure, they had at first a testing and integration system similar to that Yuval built in his company. So we started... Just like any any other standard process, so we had code and we did testing, unit testing, and we had we had staging and we had QA. But one of the driving forces behind Wix engineering and Wix is uh, always progress faster. And and uh, at some point, we we always have this. Uh, this process, like every year, and Yuval can tell, can tell you that, that about once a year, we stop and we're thinking, and this is something in, in our culture, okay, what are we doing wrong and how can we move faster? What are the things that, that hold us back? And, and at some point, uh, when we did this uh, step back and think about how can we move faster, we just realized that the cost of having a staging environment is is really big and uh, and this is let's say the the biggest thing that holds us back from releasing faster to our customers so we we started thinking about okay how what are the best ways that we can eliminate this this problem it turns out that there was a way to eliminate this problem, and that's eliminating the staging and integration platform. But what about QA? Well, let's again go back to what Yuval said earlier. But I think because back then we treated the integration environment as our last line of defense before production, and we invested a lot of time and resource in it, and still it was never stable. Last line of defense. That kind of implies that there are other lines of defense, and there are. When practicing test-driven development, a well-known software development methodology, developers are expected to create testing environments on their local machines. If executed correctly, this local testing environment can be just as efficient and effective at rooting out bugs as any external QA platform. But... 
and this is a big but, you have to trust your developers to make their local testing environments as robust and complete as possible so as to catch all the bugs before they get to production. This is key. When he first said it, it sounded as if Aviran was saying that testing code isn't important. But of course it is. That wasn't what he actually meant. The point was that Yuval and his company had to trust the developers to be responsible, to test and debug their own code without the centralized system. And it's, it's kind of a... You have to really trust your developers and your methodology of testing, of basically TDD, uh, that you will be willing to release uh, your code to production without the, let's say, the QA verification. Uh, and not many people or, or managers are willing to take that risk because one, they, they're not sure or don't trust their own methodology or the quality of the code that is produced by the developers. So you really have to trust your, your methodology uh, and processes in order to release good code to production and not impact uh, your your customers and this is this is this slip is something that engineering management have to to do in their mind okay now I put all my trust in my engineers and in the culture and in my methodology that I'm willing to take that risk and get rid of this QA staging part of the release process. You can still do QA and testing on the developer's machine, but I don't need this whole integration environment. For Aviran, this leap of faith came, if not easily, then at least naturally. So Wix's culture is a developer-centric culture. So we trust the developer to write code, to write their test, and actually to release it to production. So once you take out all those, those uh, uh, protection uh, barriers or gates, then the code quality becomes better because the developers know there is no QA, there is no one else that can check after me other than myself. So you have to write your code, you have to write your test, and you actually deploy it to production. Aviran says that in order to enable your developers to justify the trust you put in them, you need to give them two things. The first is responsibility, or a sense of ownership of the code they write. We give a lot of power and responsibility to the engineers. So it is basically up to the engineer to write the code, and run it on production. So there is no throwing of responsibility to someone else. You don't have security gates that will check your work. Uh, It's up to you. And you are the one that is waking up at night if something happens. The other 
is control, a way for developers to see what's going on in production and how the code actually behaves in the real world. So every one of the engineers have controls. We give them dashboards. We give them uh, control over the deployment and build, and they can, they can do it uh, on their own. For Aviran and his team, this system of trust worked much better than having standard QA. So at first we released once a day, uh, and then we released two times a day and three times a day, and, and we learned as we go what are the pain points, uh, and now we're releasing 500 times a day. For Yuval, Aviran's advice was a bit too drastic. And that's understandable, because to make it work, you need to make sure your developer's local testing environment is as similar as possible to the production environment. That might require a serious investment in infrastructure. The solution has to fit your company scale. I mean, we couldn't copy exactly what Wix suggested because it didn't fit our scale. I wouldn't recommend, for instance, a new startup to adopt Wix guidelines because they would need to build crazy infrastructure before the first line of code. So maybe a fresh startup should start with a monolith and rip microservices later. It depends. But it appears Yuval liked what he heard from Aviran because today these two work together as colleagues and Yuval is practicing Aviran's methodology on a daily basis. Uh, what we try to do is to create an environment where um, you work only with your PC, your laptop, and production. There's nothing in between because you can copy all the microservices and duplicate a large-scale system into another environment. It's, it, we develop a system that we, using TDD, we achieve high test coverage, and then we create mocks for every service. And you really don't have to speak to any other person in Wix in order to run the service that you are building. And because you just can't manage integration in that scale. So how do you scale up a system from a few dozen to thousands of microservices? As we've seen, it's not an easy thing to do. If you decide to stick with the good old practice of having a centralized QA system, that system needs to be robust and stable enough so as to not impede the pace of development. And if you decide to ditch the QA system for a more distributed system of local development tests running on developers' machines, that too requires a considerable amount of investment in infrastructure. But the challenge can be more than just a technical one. Trust is not something that you can code. Although, you know, I haven't checked, but there's probably some Python library out there that does that. But seriously, trust is something that is built over time, and to flourish, it needs to be ingrained in a company's culture. So, does your company trust its developers to do the right thing? If it doesn't, perhaps it's time to think things over. Perhaps it's time to get out of your comfort zone. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. The Wix Engineering Podcast is produced by PI Media, written by Nate Nelson, produced by Guy B. Noon, and narrated and edited by me, Ran Levy. Special thanks to Morad Stern from Wix. See you again next episode. Bye-bye.
For more engineering insights, follow Weeks Engineering's blog, YouTube, Twitter, and subscribe to their newsletter.